What's up, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for listening to this week's radio show turned into a podcast. And once again, please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you want to keep that beer ice cold the rest of the summer because it's been hot as hell across the country, well, you can get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you have to do, a small request, all you got to do is rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and then send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and you got the koozie right in your back pocket next week. All right, enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole, 30. First down, 25-20. Breaks a tackle, 15-10-5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach! Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle, it's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone! He juggled it for a moment, but got it back, pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right, quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score. Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 to advance. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, now you know we're kind of in that first uh, post-media days phase where you start to get that anxiousness, that anxiety for college football to actually be here, but you still have a little bit of ways to go. You know, we got a little bit over a month here until the season kicks off, but there is uh, no shortage of things to dive into and things to talk about. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us each and every week. You know, we are continuing to build this show. Uh, Radio stations jumping on board. The podcast downloads are through the roof, so we appreciate you all uh, being a part of the show and, and joining us each and every week as we get you ready for the Big 12 and the college football season. Well, if you're new to the show, you know, heartlandcollegesports.com is a site that I started a few years back, a couple years back, to give the Big 12 an independent media outlet and an independent voice, and we've just grown this thing totally grassroots. I used to work in Oklahoma, Woodward, Oklahoma. Then I was in New York for Sports Illustrated, CBS Sports Radio, and now I'm back in the Midwest in Kansas City doing a morning show at KCMO. So, And it's great to be back in Big 12 country to be able to really cover this conference like I want to be, which is each and every week. I'll be at a ton of games this fall. I'll be doing tailgates. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we appreciate you guys joining us and uh, being a part of the show. Well, where I want to kick things off is, is with something Dana Holgerson said at Media Days last week that I thought was a very good point. But I believed he could have taken this thing one step further. So the biggest problem that college football has right now is the inconsistencies in how each conference sets things up. You know, for a while, the Big 12 didn't have a championship game, but it had a round robin and it had nine conference games. We were told by the powers that be at the college football playoff that you really got to have a conference championship game to determine who is truly the winner of your conference. That's what hurt Baylor and TCU back in 2014, which were slowly 
learning was totally bogus BS. I mean, it, it was. There's just no way around it. Not when you see teams like Alabama get in last year. Don't tell me you got to have a conference championship game and you got to win the darn thing to play in a college football playoff. That's clearly not the case. But the biggest problem right now is you've got the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12 playing nine conference games. The SEC and the ACC play eight. On top of that, you know, you have Alabama. You know who Alabama's going to play? They have eight conference games, and then Alabama's going to play a rebuilding Louisville team, Arkansas State, Louisiana Lafayette, and the Citadel. I mean, are you kidding me? And don't forget the Citadel game is November 17th, essentially giving them a bye week, and it comes right before they play their rival Auburn, and then, of course, potentially right before the SEC championship game. It is comical how much the SEC has gotten away with murder in many ways when it comes to how they schedule things, and nobody calls them out for it. Nobody has the stones to go out there um, and tell the SEC to man up and play a real schedule. We know Paul Feinbaum's not going to do it. Uh, No way, right? Paul Feinbaum, he's got his uh, head too far up the SEC's rear end to go do something like that, and so does ESPN for the rest of that matter because ESPN owns the SEC network. They're making money off that thing, and you know what? The more SEC teams they get in the college football playoff, better off their business is. And they know that, and you know what? A lot of the people working there know that. They They know, you know, how they make their money. They're not stupid. But it's, it's a total joke that the SEC continues to get away with this. So Dana Holgerson pointed this out at Big 12 Media Days, and he said, quote, we're going to play Power 5 schools. I know Commissioner Bob Bowlesby set up here and gave you the stat on the number of Power 5 schools that everybody plays. We're very proud of that. At West Virginia, we play 11 Power 5 schools, NC State and Tennessee, along with nine Big 12 opponents. I wish everybody would do that. And you know what? Dana Holgerson is damn right. Because here's what happened now at Big 12 Media, or at uh, SEC Media Days last week. Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn are saying the SEC should play nine conference games. And to Saban's credit, he has said that before. Malzahn is now jumping on that bandwagon saying, yeah, the SEC should be playing nine conference games. That's all well and good. But do they really believe it? Or are they just saying that? knowing that it's never going to happen and knowing that, you know what, I can say, oh, I want a tougher schedule, but uh, in reality, I know that the conference is not going to vote as such. And it's such a joke when you hear this from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. He says the uh, eight-game schedule, as well as the format with one permanent and one rotating cross-division opponent, was the clear preference of the league's members back in 2014. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah, so you're going to tell me that coaches that are making millions of dollars a year to win football games would rather have an easier schedule with two or three cupcakes on it so they can certainly make a bowl game if they're struggling and if nothing else justify returning the following year to make millions of more dollars. Wow, I'm surprised that the teams and the coaches would prefer that. I mean, Greg Sankey, it's, that's not, the point is to do best by the sport and by the fans. 
And the fact that the coaches are sitting there and saying, well, you know, I, I like what we have in place. Well, of course they like what they have in place. It makes their life a hell of a lot easier. And then they can go out there and they can tell you, well, you know what? The SEC is just so good. Our conferences as such where, you know, it's just not right for us to have to play nine conference games. We just get, we get, it's so tough in the SEC. Really? You're being carried by one, if not two schools for the last decade, basically. I cut it out with that nonsense. But you hear it all the time from this conference, time and time again, how tough things are. Let me give you some actual numbers here. SEC teams are 120 and 91 the last 10 years against Power 5 non-conference opponents. All right, 57% winning percentage. That's pretty good. But here's the actual numbers. Alabama's 18 and 3. Georgia's 19 and 8. LSU is 15 and 5. The rest of the teams from the SEC are a combined 68 and 75. That's a 48% winning percentage the last 10 years against Power 5 non-conference opponents. That's what we call not impressive. That's what we call not a lot of depth. And you know what? 48% winning percentage, that's also what we call incredibly mediocre or incredibly average. That's it. I mean, I'm sorry. The, the idea that the SEC continues to prop up itself and say, we are playing the toughest schedule in America. It is so hard to be in the SEC. That's just not true. The best teams in uh, different divisions in the SEC, they don't play. What do they play each other? Twice every you know, 10, 12 years? I mean, it's comical. It is absolutely comical. And this conference wants to go out there and sell you a bill of goods, and the media is willing to ride with it because in many ways they have a stake in what happens in that conference. So Dana Holgerson was right to point that out. And he also went on to say it's not quite fair that we have to play that schedule and then you have schools and other respective conferences that play nine. They play nine Power 5 schools. It's uneven, but we're going to keep doing it. Holgerson referring to the fact that he's playing 11 Power 5 teams this year. And the way the schedule breaks down, what the Big 12 is not getting enough credit for is the fact that it's playing a true round robin. It does not have that softball game in late November like the SEC, which basically becomes a bye week for the conference, let's be honest. It allows their star players to rest up for a stretch run. It's, it's perfect timing. So while the Big 12 is playing a hectic November schedule where guys are every week, you got a, an opponent in this conference that can beat you outside of Kansas – it's it's a difficult spot to be in, and and especially when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, not having that extra bye week, that downtime late in the season, is a big difference. There's no way to specifically value it and put an intrinsic number on it in terms of what that's worth to a team, but it's it's enormous. And you know why it's enormous, and you know why the SEC knows it's enormous because they keep doing it. They wouldn't do that. They wouldn't schedule that if they didn't see a massive benefit to doing it. That's the truth. You know, look at Oklahoma's schedule. They're going to play Iowa State, Army, Baylor. Then they play their biggest rival, Texas. That's three straight weeks leading up to that game. Right, that That's a tough stretch leading up to play your biggest opponent. 
I mean, come on. It's just, it is absolutely crazy when you think about what that conference continues to get away with year in, year out, and nobody wants to talk about it or say anything about it. Dana Olerson did. I wished he went a little further with it. But if West Virginia is sitting there at 11-1 and at the end of the season, and you know they have, let's say, a mediocre loss to, I don't know, Kansas State or Texas or whoever it might be, and you're going to tell me that a one-loss Alabama that doesn't make the uh, SEC championship game is better than a West Virginia team? I, stop. It, this has to end. And you know what? If the SEC is not going to man up and play nine, then if I'm the Big 12, forget it. Play eight. I mean, screw them. You, you, are, you literally have the toughest path to a college football playoff. A round-robin schedule, teams got to play power five opponents in the non-conference, and you got a championship game. There's literally no tougher path than the Big 12 because of that setup. And still, nobody wants to give them credit for it. I, I don't understand it for the life of me. I really don't. Well, coming up at uh, Big 10 championship or Big 10 media days, you got a lot of coaches looking and talking about expanding the playoff. Does it really make sense, though? We'll get to it. Coming up here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So a big topic of conversation at Big Ten Media Days this week has been all about uh, college football playoff expansion, whether or not to do it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us in the show. And it's something that a lot of coaches have been asked about this week. Scott Frost, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you're hearing it time and time again. And here's what's happening. I think that coaches like Jim Harbaugh, first off, you know, Jim Harbaugh's got to win 10, 12 games before he starts worrying about the college football playoff. Right now, and Harbaugh said he'd like to go to uh, eight teams and maybe 16 teams. So what, Jim? So then you can finish 10 games out of the playoffs instead of 20? Uh, relax, fix your program, find yourself a damn quarterback before you start worrying about expanding the playoff and learn how to beat Ohio State. I mean, would you please? And Michigan State, for that matter. Uh, easy there, Big Jim. Easy, pal. So, But you're hearing this from a lot of people in the Big Ten in particular this week. And I get it. I really do. Because I, especially after last year, am getting so damn frustrated with this college football playoff committee and its inconsistencies. Time and time again. I mean, every year the criteria is changing and it's just, you know, they're just pulling straws it seems like. By also making sure the longest straws are programs like Alabama. So I understand where the frustration comes from. I mean, there's just there's no way in hell you're ever going to have a conference that has a chance at getting two teams in there outside of Alabama. That's that's frankly it. And it's just bogus and it's it's BS and it's not fair. But at the same time, I don't want to see the college football regular season diminished because of a playoff expansion. What makes college football playoff great, uh, college football in general great to me, what I've always loved about it, is the fact that a game in October has so much importance to it. Just so much importance to it. It can literally make or break a team season. I mean, that That is unlike any other sport in this country. But I also sit there and understand why teams are saying, you know what, 
I, I just, I don't know how I'm getting into this thing. I, I don't know how I can do it. Unless I win the conference, and even then, there's no guarantee I'm getting in. Because you have conferences like the SEC getting two teams into this darn thing. I mean, it's cutting a lot of us out. And of course, what's going on here, you know, you're hearing this from the SEC folks. Um, no, 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 we, we can't have eight teams. We don't want that. Uh, no, 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 no eight-team playoff. No eight-team playoff. Peter Burns, ESPN, tweeting out, what I love about college football is that one loss could cost your season. Bring in eight teams and everyone basically gets a free no-harm loss. Well, hang on. Alabama, right now, as it is, gets a free loss. Always have, and they always will. As long as Nick Saban's there, Alabama gets a free loss. And it's just not right based on the fact that their schedule is as such where they don't deserve a free loss because their schedule, guess what? It's got a few nice, soft, sweet sweet spots in it as is. So I'm not giving Alabama a free loss, but they get one. And I get bothered every time I look at this playoff committee. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. I love Condoleezza Rice. I really do. i big fan of hers. But am I going to sit here and have my college football playoff determined by Condoleezza Rice? I think she's fantastic as a woman and as a politician. But i got to be honest. I'm not sure I want her in that boardroom. In fact, I know I don't want her in that boardroom deciding who's going to be playing in our college football playoff. I, I just don't want it. So the easiest way to do this is you have the four power conferences, you know, if you were to get rid of a fifth, and God willing, it's not the Big 12, and you send your four power conferences there. At the same time, then you screw over the group of five. So if nothing else, what I would be okay with is a six-team playoff. And you're saying, oh boy, here we go, Pete, six-team playoff. No, 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 hear me out. A six-team playoff. Two buys, the five Power Five opponents or conferences, uh, champions, and then you give yourself either a group of five or you can go down the road of an at-large. And that's it. Now, my fear would be that at-large would end up just being another SEC team, right? That, that would be my ultimate fear here. So I, I still am playing with that idea a little bit, and maybe it is a group of five, you know, the best team in the group of five, whoever it might be, whether it's a UCF or, or otherwise, that gets a shot. And then what you do is you have two buys, the four below play, then you have your final four, and you go from there. And you would play, if you could swing it, depending on what the final schedules are like at these universities, you could swing it to play that first four weekend, the weekend after championship weekend. And then the players can have finals, and then you still have, what, three weeks off until the actual final four. I believe that's the best way to go about it. Because this whole picking and choosing and having just a bunch of guys and gals sitting in a room saying, oh, who's the four best teams this year? And then all, every year, you're basically changing the importance level of things that you have previously said were not that important. I mean, you know, like I said, 
Baylor and TCU were told, well, you're not a conference champion. Well, we're co-champions. Yeah, but you got to be a conference champion. We put a lot of weight on conference championships. Well, all of a sudden, now we don't do that last year. And it's become to the point where you can't follow it. I mean, you, you literally cannot follow it as a fan. And you don't know left from right anymore. You don't know what the hell these people are thinking. And even when they have these rollouts towards the end of the season of rankings, they mean nothing. When TCU can fall from 3 to 6, it is an irrelevant ranking. It's all for show, and it's all for money, and it's all to get you talking about the college football playoff. But it does not give you an ounce of insight into what the actual outcome is going to be at the end of the season with these final four rankings. So something does have to change. I'm not saying I have the perfect answer, but I think that system is a hell of a lot better than what we have right now in the sense that it doesn't ruin the regular season, but it also just doesn't give a bunch of schmoes in a room that in many ways aren't even watching a lot of these games carte blanche to say, I like this team, I don't like that team. Eight, my fear is that you do start to dilute the regular season. That's my fear when you go to eight teams. That all of a sudden you got the five power five conference champions and either, what, two or three at-large teams. Then you start to devalue a little bit what goes on in September, October, November, which I just I don't want to see it. I don't. So it's a debate we're going to continue to have. It's not going to go anywhere, but you're hearing from the Big Ten coaches, and they are all about it. And I'm trending and leaning in that direction as well based on what's happening here, especially last year with the SEC. Well, final thoughts on the show, talking Texas Longhorns, much more. We'll get to it next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So there's some drama involving the Texas Longhorns, and it's just not what Tom Herman wants to be dealing with. It's, it's just not. But Herman had to respond earlier this week to last week's tweets by former safety Deshaun Elliott that accused the staff of bad-mouthing former players to current members of the program. Pete Mundo, final few minutes with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So Herman was speaking to the media at the Texas High School Coaches Association convention and said that he was disappointed and surprised by Elliott's tweets. He goes on to say, not real sure where that came from because we've never had an issue with him. He was a tremendous player for us. We feel like he developed a ton in his one year with our staff. We wish him nothing but the best in his quest to fulfill his dream in the NFL. Now, no matter what happened, that's the right approach from Tom Herman. That's the approach that he had to take, and there were uh, no ifs, ands, or buts on you know, what he had to say in a scenario, in a situation like that, regardless of what the details are. Elliot was very tight with Charlie Strong. Everybody knew that. Um, and, you know, he was not even in attendance in Houston when the Longhorns beat Missouri in their bowl game. So who knows what the fallout was there. But don't forget, he did delete the tweets hours after sending them. Now, a report from the Austin American Statesman gave a little bit of clarity on the story that apparently Elliot held a July 4th pool party in Austin and several current players attended. Well, some members of the coaching staff later found out about the party and warned players not to associate with Elliot, a source familiar with Elliot's thinking told the American Statesman. Now, we don't know why the coaching staff didn't want players associating with Elliot, but, you know, we don't have the full story. What I will say is the following. 
Herman's had this alleged against him before that players don't like him, parents don't like him, and the whole thing. But then you see the way he recruits, especially this past year. I mean, if he was that disliked by guys across the state of Texas and it was well-known, I'm sorry. He wouldn't have gotten three of the top five or top seven safeties in the country, and he would, have, would not have hauled in a top five recruiting class in America, with most of those guys being from the state of Texas. But it still is not a good look for him. I'll, I'll wholeheartedly admit that. And, you know, if, if Elliot takes it personal that the coaching staff is saying, hey, don't hang out with this guy, well, that's on him. That is. And, and we don't have all the details there, but the fact that he took it to Twitter and then deleted those tweets, it, it does not make Deshaun Elliott look good. It, it just doesn't. Well, each and every week, if you read the site, and you should be reading the site, you get our mailbag from Derek Duke, and that thing is really taken off, which, by the way, if you participate in that mailbag, follow him on Twitter at DerekDuke25 and uh, find us on Twitter at Heartland underscore CS. The best question each week gets a free Heartland College Sports koozie, so it's a pretty good deal. But Derek's really been on fire with this thing, and he gets asked some great questions every week. And one of the questions this week he got um, asked about was the front-loaded schedule of Iowa State and whether or not it's the most front-loaded of any you know team in the Big 12. And the answer is no, it's not. I, I, it's tough, no doubt about it. I mean, South Dakota, Iowa, Oklahoma, Akron, TCU, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, that's brutal. You know, on the back end is when they get Texas Tech, Kansas, a Baylor, um, K-State, Texas. So it certainly eases up on the back end, but it's not easy. That being said, it's not the toughest either. I mean, you look at tough schedules in this conference to open up the season, and I'm looking at, well, a couple of them here. TCU, which has Southern, SMU, Ohio State, Texas, and Iowa State. I'm also looking at Oklahoma, FAU, UCLA, Iowa State, Army, Baylor, Texas. I mean, those are, you're going to sit here and say, oh, FAU and Army. Those are unique, weird, tricky offenses that the defense for OU is going to have to prepare for on back-to-back-to-back weeks. And then you got Baylor, a bit of a trap game before the big game against Texas, um, on the road against Iowa State in Week 3, following up playing Chip Kelly and UCLA at home. I mean, that is a sneaky, tough schedule that the Oklahoma Sooners have to deal with. And it's something that is starting to get some attention, but not getting a lot. It's just not. And let's not forget West Virginia. An SEC and an ACC program in the first three weeks of the season. And then it's K-State in Lubbock to play Texas Tech. I, that's, that's not easy either. It's, that's tough. So I just look across this, this conference, and man, I mean, shh, you look at it and you say to yourself, there are no breaks outside of Kansas, and we'll see if maybe they're a little improved this year, but there are just no breaks in the schedule. Even I didn't even mention Texas. Maryland on the road, Tulsa at home, which is a solid program now under Phil Montgomery, USC, TCU, at K-State, OU. I mean, geez. Now that I'm looking at it, Texas may be the toughest open to a, to a season of anybody in the conference. We could go round and round on this, and that's what makes the Big 12 so darn good. While Alabama's playing Louisiana Lafayette and uh, Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana Grandma's um, School for the Blind and Louisiana's uh, Quadriplegics, everybody else is, you know, the Big 12 is playing real football here. I mean, it's crazy. So 
it's going to be a hell of a season, and it just it gets going right in week one. It really does. You know, you're going to get Texas Tech and Ole Miss, West Virginia, Tennessee, um, Oklahoma, FAU, and then week two, it just goes even more bonkers from there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, as always, guys, for listening to the show. Of course, you can download it on iTunes as well if you missed any of it on the radio. And we will talk to you next week, same time, same place, right here, Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Thanks for listening, guys, and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Email me a screenshot, Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will get that koozie in the mail for you. We are setting a record number for downloads each and every month these past three months. It's because of you. We appreciate that, and we will talk to you next week.